This podcast is sponsored by CDO Group, the industry leader providing a full range of construction and project management services. CDO Group has managed thousands of projects in all 50 states. Their group of experts provide systems, processes, and procedures to make sure that your projects turn over on time and on budget every single time. With over 24 years of experience, CDO Group is the industry's leader in construction management and general contracting services. To find them, go to cdogroup.com. Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. If you like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Hello, and welcome to the Future Development Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monategi, and today I'm joined by the amazing Jenny Foster. Jenny is an electrical engineer and a market development manager at Neff Power. She holds several patents in both the United States and in Canada. She is a graduate of St. Louis University. Go Billigans! And she's also a graduate of Washington University. Go Bears! You know, her background in robotics is unparalleled. It is exciting to talk to her. I hope you guys enjoy this interview with her as well. With that, let's give a big warm welcome to Jenny. Jenny, welcome to the show. And Jenny, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on today. It's a, a beautiful day out there. Uh, talk, tell me a little bit uh, about uh, some of the stuff you're working on. And but before I get started on that, let's go backwards a little bit. How did you get into robots? Well, thank you for having me on the show and thank you for asking that question. So my path to robots is is probably a winding path. It's, it's probably quite long, but I'll make it very short. Um, but one of the starting points that I want to start with is, Anthony, there was a story that you mentioned the last time we spoke in which uh, you discovered that you were really good at reading. And I just want to share that I have a very similar story. Um, it took me a really long time to figure out that I was good at math. But once I figured it out, I, I flew. Uh, I selected engineering right out of high school. and. The, it was it was really fun to jump into it, but the math, the math kicked my butt. And I ended up taking calculus one three times. Mm. And I mean, just the just the the amount of resilience it takes to do that type of repetition is significant. But I really, you know, I I really did not enjoy it at the time. Nobody enjoys repeating things over and over again just to get to a certain point. And that's why the book that I want to recommend really resonates with me. And I, I brought my copy with me. It's, uh. it's mindset by Carol Dweck. And the reason it resonates with me so much is because this book talks about the resilience necessary in order to maintain a growth mindset over time. So if I could go back and, and talk to my student self, I would definitely try to convince myself to read this book before going through all the trials and tribulations of repeating classes. So my one of my degrees is in electrical engineering and electrical engineering requires the highest level of math. So I've gone through the whole range all the way up through linear algebra and differential equations. And, and I really got into engineering design. So on the engineering design side, it takes exploring what exists and then adding, adding something new to the world that that is not already present. And you can actually find my name on several patents, both awarded by the United States Patent and Trademark Office, as well as the Canadian Intellectual Property Office. That's awesome. So, well, thank you. 
So after I graduated, I really found the most joy in my career path as a sales engineer. Um, I started as a sales engineer at a very famous foundry. Uh, it's an international foundry, and they're famous because they made the stainless steel castings for the Pentagon Memorial in Washington, D.C. It was amazing to be on their team. It was amazing to have mentors who really held me to a high standard, and I'm so grateful to them because it was from there that I learned so much. And my current role is at Neff Power. I'm the market development manager at Neff Power. And we have an amazing team. We are super extraordinary focus on customer service, and we love solving problems for our customers. We are an industrial automation and robotics distributor, and we help our customers find the best solutions for their automated processes. We have a team of application and robotics engineers who love teaching how to use robotics. That's, that's great. You know, I, I, uh, you know, once you find a passion, right, they find, they find that spot where, like you were talking about, when I figured out reading, and by the way, I've got the book, it's sitting by my nightstand. I haven't started that one yet because i got one more in front of it, but it's it's uh, it's literally sitting there and I keep looking at it like, I thought it was Jenny's book that she, she hooked me up with, and I, lo I love when someone gives me a great book because, you know, when I hear your passion for that book, it gets me excited. And if I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would, I would, you know, I, I would just say, hey, stop wasting your time and all those other stuff. There's so many opportunities when in new technology, new information and reading was the path, the key to that path for me and finding that, that magic is amazing. You know, uh, as you got into the software, you know, into the uh, engineering and into the, um, the whole robotics world, you know, and being able to take that, your ability to communicate with the customer, right? And understand their needs and start to apply that out to the world. Uh, you know, in you know, the, 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 you know, customers can't understand technology oftentimes. I, you know, uh, I look, our own people can't understand it. If, if we look inside of some of our, you know, with our organization, you know, that's one of the number one ways we get killed with, uh, with growth is that uh, people's inability to take on new technologies out of fear and not understanding it, not being able to see it clearly and uh, being able to humanize technology is a, it's, it's a great skill. I mean, that's one of the, you know, that's what makes you wonderful at, at the job and being able to hear their needs and then understanding the technology and how to apply that, that makes it a really fun place. You know, when you're looking at robotics for a customer, what's the keys to understanding implementing robotics or, or technology uh, into, into a, into a, uh, into a system? Well, we do have a set process that we follow in order to provide the absolute right application for our customers. But I, I really want to separate this answer out into two things. Yeah. I want to first talk about the low hanging fruit. So for everyone out there who thinks that they do have an application and they're ready for robotics, but they're not sure where to start, look for two things. These are your low hanging fruits. You're going to look for repeatability and you're also going to look for ergonomics. So you're gonna look for the tasks that are super repeatable, the ones that you'd perform over and over and over again the exact same way. And you're also gonna look for the tasks where it involves a human being moving their joints the same way over and over again, because we know that repeated motion over time does result in um, the ergonomic need for automation. The second part of this is I wanna talk about the steps that we go through that, that our robotic engineers walk through with our customers when our customers ask us to help them implement robotics. And the first thing that we do is say, okay, let's identify with you. What is the exact process that you want to automate? And 
believe it or not, it's, it's in the identification of your problem and, and defining your problem. That's really where it becomes easy to suggest the right solutions, because once we've identified the problem, then we can say, okay, here's the, here's the design layout. Here is how a robot would fit within your exact solution. And then we perform a simulation. So we actually let you see what it would look like in your manufacturing facility on your floor with your people involved, what it would look like if we just pressed play with a robot in place performing these tasks. And that incorporates a whole bunch of things. It incorporates reach analysis, uh, correct cycle times. It uh, incorporates end of arm tooling or EOAT, and also um, the design and specification of the payload. So robot cells, the more and more we we can talk about robot cells, it gets more and more detailed. Um, there's a lot of requirements in terms of safety. And so we really especially want to know how it is that you plan on having your team of people interact with the robot. Right. Because robots, you know, they're, they're, they're not very touchy feely and they're not uh, they're not really aware that they perform an action, at least today, you know, their ability to. Uh, you know, they're, they're sequencing, you know, talk about that. Cause in order, in order to have some spatial requirements, in order to have a robot, it's not something that you just take it and plug and play. You don't just roll the robot into the floor and all of a sudden start, uh, executing on something. It, it takes a lot of thought to be able to make sure that, that, that arm or that, that, uh, device is able to, uh, you know, facilitate, uh, efficiencies. Right. So, okay. So there's. I guess I can give an example of a a building that I walked through recently in which they thought 10 years ago, it was a thought that, okay, robots will completely replace people and we're going to have an entire factory full of robots end to end. So therefore we don't need to have room for people at all. And the, the way this building was built in order to access even the individual production lines, you had to walk out the door of one side of the building, go all the way around the outside and come back in the other. There was no room for people in between the production lines. You couldn't maintain the production lines while they were in action. You had to shut the whole thing down, move one aside, squeeze in. There there was hardly any room for people and there was definitely no room for robots and, and definitely no room for safe collaborative robots. And I really wanna talk about the difference between industrial and collaborative in a little bit. So, if, if you're a, a person considering a new building and you say, okay, I do want to incorporate robots into my new building structure, what it is, what, what should I be thinking about? And so the requirements and specifications for robotic arms and for autonomous mobile robots are definitely unique. For robotic arms, you need to consider footings. If you're going to support extraordinarily large robotic arms, you need to think about not just the force applied at the base of the robot by the weight or the mass of the robot arm, but you also need to think about the torque. And this is the torque at full payload, full reach, and full velocity. That's a significant amount of torque. The next thing is if you're going to consider autonomous mobile robots or AMRs, this is this is truly um, a cutting edge technology, and it involves artificial intelligence, advanced machine vision, and human collaborative robot capabilities. So, autonomous mobile robots—they really require several things. They require excellent Wi-Fi signal in order for them to execute their real-time navigation. Uh, they need to have automatic doors. We actually recently built a new building in which we realized we needed to have 
a little bit wider of hallway and we needed to have an automatic door that would not impede the path of the AMR as it traveled through our warehouse into our office facility. And then um, you also need to make sure you have extremely smooth and level floors, very small floor gaps, um, very low thresholds. No, that's great. I mean, I mean, they're extremely low. I mean, just being able to be off by a crack and expansion joint, uh, just the smallest little detail can throw off, uh, you know, a, a mobile uh, a mobile bot, you know, on a, on a floor. So talk a little bit about that, some, some of the specification and why that's so critical. What, what happens, you know? Yes. Yeah, so this is, it's critical because of the advanced machine vision technology that is on board these autonomous mobile robots, you have 3D cameras and you have LIDAR. And then you also have all of that real-time calculation that is happening um, in order for the for navigation to occur. So for most of these AMRs, they recognize and they can distinguish between a human being and a cart. They can distinguish between um, a shelf, a pallet, and a forklift. And they can actually determine um, best path forward. So unlike AGVs of the past, in which you had to have a track embedded in the ground or in the floor in order for this AGV to follow along, and if anything impeded that track, it would simply stop. With AMRs, you have that real-time navigation calculation happening. and. This means that the robot needs to know where it is at all times and in which direction it's moving at all times. That's why they need to have wider aisles. That's why they need to have wider doorways. And and um, they do have the capability of navigating around people in real time. Uh, we actually perform demos for our customers on a regular basis using the AMR at our facility here at Nuff Power. Oh, that's neat. So the um, the, the parts that, that are really kind of tricky, you know, not just the specifications of flooring, uh, when you talk about things like Wi-Fi and uh, the ability to communicate, you know, everywhere in the plant that no, nothing can be blocking it. I mean, they can't walk into an area that's got no Wi-Fi or loss of Wi-Fi around a corner somewhere. Uh, you know, all of that impacts its ability to communicate on a continuous basis, right? Exactly. So we found that sometimes um, buildings in the past were built in such a way that they created Faraday cages and they actually attenuated signal. And it wasn't done intentionally. It just happens. It's, you know, either the way that, you know, people install shelving or the type of material they choose to go in between the drywall. Um, none of that attenuation of signal is uh, conducive to modern technology, unfortunately. So really selecting the types of materials you use in order to build the structures and then and then also including um, very tight tolerances for smoothness and levelness. Oh, it's it's great, you know the. Uh, but I, I think that's the problem with the with with what what happens when we're going into uh, second and third generation buildings is that a lot of that wasn't thought of, right? So as as you're thinking about executing on, uh, you know, automation for the for the plant with robots, you know, you know ro robotic arms or robotic uh, uh, mobile devices, you know, having you know being able to go through and think about path of travel, uh, communication with with them, you know, the the ability to uh, foresee. Uh, the growth of of whatever technology you guys are going to continuously you know uh, improve on. So it starts with you know. Wh so where do they start? So I'm a plant. I'm a plant manager. I go. I I've been tasked with with getting a lot more efficient. And I come to you and say, uh, Jenny, I I, I, Jenny, I need you to uh, make my plant. Jenny Foster, you got to make my plant a lot more automated. What do I do? Well, you first of all, you came to the right place. Right. I am the person at Neff Power who does help. All of our customers connect with the right application engineers and the right robotic specialists so that we can talk engineer to engineer and truly solve 
the problem that you are looking to solve. Nice. So what are the first steps we do? Where, where, do, where do you guys start with me? Where do you, what, what, what am I doing on? So I've come in, I've had meeting one with you. Now I'm an hour away. Now what am I, what are we looking at? Cause I, I've been tasked to do this now. Okay. Well, usually we would show you what is in our robot lab just okay. to give you an idea of what is out there. Because if, if you're coming to us and you're saying, I have no idea what I need to do, please help me. Let's say, okay, well, let's show you what is possible. And in our robot lab, uh, we have right now we have two robots set up. We have an HC 10, which is a human collaborative 10 kilogram payload collaborative robot. And then we have a GP 25, which is a general purpose 25 kilogram payload industrial robot. And the difference between collaborative and industrial has to do with um, the the way the robot performs while it's in the presence of a human being. A collaborative robot literally means human collaborative. That means a person can hand an object to the robot and vice versa. The person can be in the same area and work safely side by side with the robot. For the industrial robot, industrial means industrial speed, industrial velocity. This is very high speed. It's very high velocity. It's usually for high repetitive processes. And it does require separation between the human and the robot. So a person must stand on the other side of a safety fence while the robot is operating. But, and this is the trick that we want to show you, with the right advanced machine vision solution, you can make an industrial robot behave just like a collaborative robot. And there's two ways of doing this. We, this is the way we perform live demos. We use speed and separation monitoring, and we also use stop state monitoring. So if you align your vision sensors in the room in such a way that you define where the safety zone is, and the safety zone is is within a certain distance of the industrial robot, as a person walks closer and closer to the robot, the robot will slow down and then come to a complete stop. And this is, it's a safety function and it is highly useful because it means that you don't have to shut down your line. You don't have to put everything on hold in order to walk up and perform a service or walk up and, and fix an alignment you can actually perform all of these maintenance and operation procedures in real time without interrupting your flow. You know, what's neat about robots are that it doesn't think about, um, you know, it, it's performing a task. You know, as a human, I get these fears that could pop up. Oh my God, this robot's going to take my job. And, uh, you know, you know, I think that's the biggest thing I hear about when I talk about automation or bringing these uh, different technologies into a, a plant. I get this uh, kickback where people are really worried about, uh, you know, what about my job? I, I think that I, when I, when I talk about, I think I really mentioned the most is when cars were invented, you could not have imagined Uber. Well, as robots are being invented in the plant, the jobs that are facilitating in, the, in that plant, uh, you know, are changing as well, right? There's lots of, you know, there's lots of different positions that are changing. Uh, you know, the people that are operating this as a in, a, in the plant. Uh, so let's talk about that that feeling, that that feeling of oh, a robot's taking over my job. You know, there's that fear, but also you know the excitement about where. Uh, other things that are getting created because of bots that are happening in plants. Right. Anthony, I am really glad that you addressed this because it is, it is somewhat of a controversial yeah. statement. And there are some people who do believe that, you know, robots, robots are going to replace our jobs. But the truth is that robots do not replace people. 
robots replace tasks. And the best example that I can think of when, when I, if I were to give a real world world of example of something that is already in place and established that, that proves this is otherwise it's in our homes with home automation, because we have washing machines, we have dishwashers, we have microwaves, we have dryers and all of these machines, you push a button and walk away and you are free to go do something else. And that's what robots do in the industrial world is they allow us to set up an automated process, press a button, walk away, and then go focus on something at which human beings are naturally very good at. We are naturally very creative. We are naturally good at problem solving and we are naturally good at communicating. And that, I mean, that really ties back into the growth mindset book by Carol Dweck, because there's two different mindsets. There's the fixed mindset and there's the growth mindset, right? And the the fixed mindset is the one that fears change and and says we're incapable of learning. Whereas the growth mindset is the one that's open to learning and enjoys challenges and in fact embraces challenges because they help us really reach our full potential. So to that point, robotics is a path to growth. And this is true for individuals as well as humanity as a whole. Robotics is a growing industry and it's full of opportunities for anyone interested in learning. Uh, I love that piece you just brought up about mindset. You know, there will always be those people who just dig the heels in and don't want to change. But the truth is you, you can't stop change. There, there's, there's no, we cannot stop it. It, it, it feels like, no, I'm going to be this way. Good luck. Good luck with that one. Just see how long you can survive in, in the world. You know, you, you can be the, the, the rock in the river, but at some point the river will, 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 you may for a moment cause a little bit of a bump in it, but somewhere the river will wash and move you. And that is what's happening with growth. And it always has been the, the, the fixed mindset that says, I'm not doing it. You know, that's just a fear, right? That's that, that living in fear, which I can say, I can say oftentimes I've been plagued with it, you know, throughout my life as well. I mean, I think everybody goes through parts of their life where you're living in fear and that chance of, you know, in our society, there certainly are a lot of people that are afraid of changing, right? Of embracing where we're going. The, the, the world has never been more exciting. It's never, 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 ever been more exciting than it is right now. The stuff that's happening on this planet today is amazing. The two of us having this podcast 25 years ago, that would have been a million dollars for us to broadcast back and forth between two people. Uh, you know, maybe TV stations could do it. You'd have to, you and I'd have to go to TV stations, have to communicate to, you know, I had to sit in some booth and they had to get their signals and the, and, and this would have been a much, much different, you know, look, you've got a camera, you're sitting in office. I've got, well, maybe a fancy camera cause Eric operates it over there. And, uh, uh <laughs> he's laughing cause I can't do it today. We've got the ability to do things so much faster. Uh, and, and that's what the joy of it is. And as that mindset changes and you feel a little bit less pressure to change, a little bit less pressure that, okay, I'm going to be okay. The, the universe is always taking care of me. I, we've always adapted to it. And, you know, me trying to stop it, you know, it's never worked. It's never, you know, um, the good old days when I think back at it, you know, it sounds good because maybe it was sounded slower, maybe, it's, but you know, you just, just think about it to, to, to communicate with someone, you had to write a letter, Right? It might take me a month to communicate with a parent that was in another state. You know, today I, I've got, you know, my mother, uh, you know, used to be able to communicate with me, you know, multiple times an hour. 
right? You know, just she was like, she had something going on she, multiple times, or a sister or family members that I, I could communicate with all day long. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's, it. you know, it took some change, but she's the one who showed me how to uh, Skype. You know, I, I had a 70-year-old woman teach me how to Skype, and I was like, ah, one, I felt a little funny about that. But two, you know, we were all evolving in that change. And, and same thing's happening in our in our companies, on our plant floors, as we make make, make those uh, changes and we continue to adapt and we ask the question, what else can robots do? There's the game to, to play, really to embrace and look for, uh, you know, what, what can robot, what tasks can they free me up for so that I can do uh, other other things that would be much more productive. So, uh, as, as you look at that, and your company continues to grow, uh, you know where where do you see, uh, you know what 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 excites you about where the future is going? Well, there are there are three things that I want to share that I see unfolding right now that will definitely affect us in the next three to five years. So the first thing is that humanity will definitely benefit from robotics through scalability and learning. And I say this because robotics are incredibly scalable and just like anything just that, you know, that we've adopted in the past, like you were mentioning, like Skype, like smartphones, robotics, they're a tool. And the more we learn how to use robots as a tool, we're going to realize how scalable they are. Because once you apply a robot solution to one particular application, you're just, you're going to instantly see, ah, this is how I can apply it to all of these others. And the, the other aspect of it is the learning, because we're learning not only about ourselves and how much we can push our own limits in terms of, you know, acquiring and adapting new skills and learning new technologies, but humanity as a whole, we're learning about ourselves as people through the creation of automated tasks. And so that's just the first thing. The second thing is that we will definitely see a real world solution for forklifts. And I know you're laughing at this, but the thing is that every year forklift accidents and yeah. injuries, they do cause a significant amount of damage to humans and property. And just about everyone I've talked to does have um, a forklift accident. Either it's someone they know or it, it's something that they witnessed or it's, you know, it's connected to them in some way, shape or form. And it, unfortunately, that just means that it's too common of an occurrence. So what we're going to see is, is it the combination of artificial intelligence, advanced machine vision, and human collaborative technology. And that's all coming together with AMRs, autonomous mobile robots, and those are going to be the ones that provide us this real world solution for forklifts in the very near future. So that's the second thing. Cool. The third one. The third one is that we will be faced with a question. And we will be faced with a question that is going to be repeated with increasing frequency throughout a surprising variety of industries. And that question is this, is it humane to ask a person to do a task that a robot would perform better? As we, as we look at these, I mean, seriously, as, as we look at these tasks, the speed by which we're growing and we start to, you know, continue to go faster and faster and things are getting bigger and bigger. You know, every single one of us is attached to a cell phone. How do you feel about augmented, uh, you know, the augmented human, you know, uh, are, are we looking at uh, exoskeletons? Are we looking at, you know, are they, are they separate from the human or are they connected to the human? This is a really deep question. And I kind of want to take it in a different direction. Sure, so instead of talking about exoskeletons, I want to talk about 
more about smartphones because because smartphones have become such an intrinsic part of our everyday lives uh, it's very difficult to separate us from our so- smartphones without you know inducing panic and you know we see young children with smartphones and they're whizzes they know how to go into an app open an app and and create you know whatever it is that they want to do and close it up again it's it's fascinating so we have actually i think unlocked one of those um interfaces that really resonates deeply with human nature and our ability to learn. And that's through the smart touchscreen. Hmm. We are seeing smart screen and touchscreen technologies implemented in robotics. And it's actually changing the way that we learn and operate robots. You can actually see a video on the Neff Power YouTube channel of one of our robotics engineers who teaches the son of one of our coworkers when he visits, teaches him how to use a smart pendant and how to operate a robot with a smart pendant. It took him all of 35 minutes and 17 seconds to figure out how to fly his toy car around with the robot. And it is so cool because you can actually see the learning process taking effect. You you can see how easy it is to learn how to operate a robot with a smart pendant. So the fact that all of this technology is is coming to fruition right now i mean we are on the cusp of something very great and we're on the cusp of a lot of changes that will happen in the next five to ten years for, for sure you know that uh uh you know that piece about uh, the the you know in, in order to program a robot uh, 10 years ago, I mean, here, five years ago, it, it took an engineering degree, right? To be able to understand spatial realities, understanding, uh, you know, all those segments of, of how to move that, how to program it, how to put all those instructions in today with the, uh, systems we have in place. And as machine learning comes into place, artificial intelligence comes in, into play and the speed by which we'll learn and be able to make things, uh, you know, adaptable to every scenario, uh, you know, and even the human, right? Even as I look at, you know, if, as, as that's, that child was able to look at uh, flying his car around uh, or a new employee comes up to a, a machine and needs to make, make some change to it, uh, you know, I think all of that will, will come into place and make it so much easier for us to operate and to embrace that change, that fear part of us that says, well, I, you know, there's a robot in my, in my office now. Does that mean it's going to out, outwork me or out, outdo me? Am I, am I going to be outclassed here? No, with the interfaces that make it a lot easier for, for anybody to do this, it makes that leap over to technology a lot easier. Right. It's, it's really leveled the learning curve. And I think it actually is helping people to discover how they can truly show that their assets to uh, their their company and where they work by figuring out how to use the robot in new ways because you know you can have a robot and it can perform one particular task but that's not the only thing that it's capable of doing and as we learn as human beings how to push our own limits we're also pushing the limits of robotics and technology in general that's the learning curve right there we're learning in tandem with our machines. Yeah, I, I say that all the time. That where we, where as we do this, as we learn, and uh, AI, uh, machine learning, robotics come into play, the speed by which we'll continue to transfer and bring on more opportunities for them to to you know to apply those technologies, and 
the ease by which we do this makes our comfort level uh, get so much, you know, it, 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 we get so much more comfortable and able to, to look at it and embrace it. It continues, our creativity will, will move up, right? I mean, once we drop that fear, once I, I get that, that fear mindset, I get out of fear and I get into creativity, there's the opportunity uh, that's lost when I'm in fear, right? It's, it's that uh, I, I drop off my ability to be creative and that's what's really magical about us human beings is that we are creative and have this ability to continue to come up with new ways, new impactful ways to change these, these applications. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> There you go. I got one done for the day. I got one great one for the day, and uh, you know it, it makes it fun. You know, as you um, as you look across your company's future, the next five years, right? If you're able to predict out, you get that crystal ball out, and you start to look at that, and you see that you know the couple places you, you've already talked about. If you're looking at the younger version of a young Jenny and then going, "Hey, I'm, I'm embracing where you're going." What would you What would you say uh, opportunities are for them to, to jump into the robotics field or into the development world, where do you, where do you see uh, those opportunities pop up? Well, I'm seeing a lot of opportunities show up in in companies that are traditionally not as automated. And I mean, yes, they may incorporate some of the traditional categories of industrial automation, like electrical control, motion control, safety, structural aluminum, and pneumatics, and hydraulics. But what we're seeing is that traditionally these older um, fields of study are not, they're not taught in schools anymore. And it's probably due to the fact that that body of knowledge is retiring out of the workforce. And so there's nobody really to pass it on. And that's where a lot of the automation comes into play. That's where um, a lot more of the electronic solutions come into play. And I mean, this, this is not a bad thing. And if we embrace it now, we will at least be there to hand off, make that handoff from the original method, the original methodology of performing that task to the new methodology. And we may even have the opportunity to improve upon it. No, no, you know, there was a, there was this big swing that everybody went into uh, the electronic technologies, right? But the, the, the mechanical side of technology seems to get missed, right? And I, I know, you know, when I look at my children, I've got uh, one son who just loves, he, he, he's, you know, he went to school for, you know, being that I'm a construction guy, he went to school for construction. And uh, you know, he came home from school and he's like, Dad, this isn't for me. I don't want. I, I, I don't. I don't want to be a, a professional at a construction. Company. I like working with my hands. I love being in there working with motors. He loves. Auto, he loves automobile motor. He loves engines. He loves uh, uh, working with motors. And I think that that's that's the exciting part is that there are so many great careers that are going to get created by the robotic world. In you know people that understand the the, the mechanical side of of the business as much as the technology side, which is great, but also you know, all of the stuff that takes to operate a robotic stuff, robotic repairs, all the things it takes, it's, it's going to be physical and it's going to be opportunity for them to really embrace, uh, you know, the hands-on stuff that uh, uh, you know, a lot of us are great at. I mean, I, I certainly was great at that, so. Well, I mean, technically, when you go through engineering, usually you're divided into two separate groups, right? There's the there's the mechanical engineers, and then there's like the software engineers, and then everyone else is some gradient in between. And you know, you get you get a mechanical engineer with a software engineer coming together to to create a solution, and the software engineer is like, "Well, can't you just start over? Well, can't can't you just like turn it off and start it over again?" And that's just not it's just not an option. <laughs> but I love that way of thinking. <laughs> 
look, we're going to start it my way. You know, yeah. Getting everybody to dance at the same time uh, is, is always kind of fun. And you two have already been dancing. Now I got to jump in and dance with you. And uh, it takes a little bit to figure it out. But, uh, you know, I love this conversation. I love your passion for the robotic world. You know, every time we meet and every time we talk, it's been such a passionate love for the business. I, I you know, you exude that passion. And for me, anytime someone exudes that kind of passion for for anything that we do uh, is, is such a great place to be in the world. And I, I got to tell you, I'm so grateful that you trusted me and jumped on this, on this podcast with me today. And I look forward to many, many more of these together. Uh, you know, your, your, I know your time is valuable and you got a lot going on. Uh, thanks for taking some time today to, to sit back and, and just talk to me a little bit more about the business. Anthony, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. And I've so much enjoyed listening to your other podcast interviews it, it's such a huge honor for me to to be on your show and be interviewed with all of your other guests. So thank you very much for having me. I'm very grateful. Thanks. And I look forward. I, I Here, I'm going to tell you, when I'm done with the book, I will, I will I'll, I'll text you. I'm excited about the book. It's, uh, it's sitting by my bedside, just ready to be uh, devoured. And uh, I am grateful for that. And uh, we will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you some more. Thank you very much. And well, keep, us, keep us updated on all the new stuff that's happening out there. We are always excited here at the future of development for, uh, for that. Thank you. Absolutely. Anthony, thank you. And when you finish, let me know so we can talk about it. Because it's I, so fun. I promise. <laughs> I promise you that you got, you got awesome. my work. All right. Thanks, Jenny. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Montategi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry. Finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.